Jake Kaufman is a men's transformation coach. He leads men beyond their limits so that they can reach their highest potential. He's also the author of the book, Let the Love In. The pain stops when the truth starts. This book is a journey sharing his truth, his story. Jacob believes that unless we address the pain from the past, we only recycle it into the present. I'm so excited to share Jake with you today. You're listening to the Super Expander Podcast. Aligned goals are pivotal for expansion. You don't need me to tell you that. But what happens when your flame weakens? What really happens when it totally goes out? Reignite Your Goals starts with awakening to the emotions that pull you further and further away. Letting go of your shame, denial, and frustration, and figuring out why your body is resisting your goals are the key to success. Regulate your nervous system, release the blocks, and reassess your path forward because your goals are ready to be reset and reignited. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show, Super Expanders. Super excited for today's conversation because, well, a few things. It's a rare occasion that we have this masculine energy here on the Super Expanding Podcast. So you know it has to be someone really special with an amazing story, an amazing message to share. So without further ado, let's welcome Jacob Kaufman. Corey, thank you so much. Really excited to be here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I'm super excited for this conversation. So this is, I would love to give it like a little bit of context. We have been like circling in the same circles for a really long time, but never formally connected. And so I know this is the conversation. It's going to be like the real unfolding for you right here. Cause this is the, I mean, we had like a little chit chat before we hit record, but like, this is it. This is the first meeting. So I'm finding Technically. these things for the first time with you, which I actually think is cool and exciting. Yeah. Um, so that that's the the context we were kind of like in this online instagram world circle right you know a lot of the same people and i always think it's really funny in this world that when we're in such close proximity how it is like so long could pass and we hadn't actually either somehow met at an event or in person in some some kind of way uh right that's my mind yeah no totally well i i don't believe there's any accidents so divine timing Divine timing and, and here we are. And so on that note, I just need to know who is Jacob deep down on a soul level? I mean, I kind of have a little glimpse from some, mm. some of the stuff I've been reading, but I'd love to know mm-hmm. from you who you are deep down on a soul level. That's a really good question. Well, I would say that my deepest me is God. And I truly believe that is true for all people. I'm not saying that I'm God <laughs> or that you know you're God or that anyone else is God necessarily, but I do believe that God is in me, I am in him or her, and I believe that I will return to God and that my deepest DNA is God. And so in many ways have disconnected and break and broken free from this individual identity that we all work very, very hard to build up and manufacture and reinforce early on in life and have returned, if you will, remembered my divine identity that is ultimately grounded in and rooted in in the divine. There is no Jake Kaufman. Oh, this is going to go super deep. Okay. So I definitely subscribe to this whole idea and theory of essentially like we all, all are mm-hmm. not in the sense of this like 
pedestaling situation, but I actually right. actually believe that too. So I'd love for you to expand on that, like really what that means mm-hmm. for you and how you came to connect to that. Sure. Well, I once heard that the definition of love is the recognition of oneself in another, meaning that there is no separation between you and I. The separation is merely an illusion insofar that you have your own unique physical body, that I have my own unique physical body, which is true for every individual. But at the end of the day, all of us are connected to God or connected to source. Therefore, we are all one. It's the idea of unity of oneness that is one of the highest levels of consciousness at the end of the day, that the separation that exists between us, the borders, the conflict that exists between us is really just an illusion to maintain this idea of separateness that keeps us in in tribalistic thinking, which is us against them, me against you, which just perpetuates conflict and and tension and dis-ease. Oh my gosh. Yes. As you were saying in your definition that you once heard about, about love, it made me actually think about when we're triggered by other people. Mm-hmm. And it's the recognition of the thing that we don't like in someone else sure. and how oftentimes we get so focused on that versus the flip side of that. Right. Well, I think in many ways it's because we have a really horrible relationship with conflict and we have a really horrible relationship with pain because we're not really taught what to do with it. Mm. Right? Western religion, Western culture in many ways has this, this very avoidant relationship, especially with death. Whereas in Eastern cultures and Eastern religions, people were initiated into manhood, for example, where death and this idea that one day you will die which is actually reinforced by this this mantra, this this Latin mantra that has kind of been repopularized, if you will, by Ryan Holiday, if you're familiar with the author who really specializes and focuses on, on stoicism. And that is memento more, the concept that one day you will die. Remember your mortality. We're not really initiated into this. And so what's really the only game in town? It's codependency. So it's it's rife and it's incredibly common in our society in this day and age where we have a really horrible relationship with pain because when i am triggered and i'm not saying that like i'm better than someone else necessarily it's just that i've done the the needed necessary work within myself to know that when i'm triggered that is grace that is leading me to a deeper understanding within myself of my personal barriers And I think Rumi said it best that our task is not to seek after love, but to seek after and find the barriers within us that stand against it. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm triggered, all that it's doing is revealing, obviously the need for deeper healing, but it's revealing a barrier within myself that I have yet to reconcile. Good. Okay. So when that happens, what do you do? I sit with it. I beat with it. I don't react from the space of it. The trigger isn't the problem. It's that people react from the space of the trigger that creates breakdown. And so I sit with it. I be with it. I get curious about it. I allow it to metabolize within my system. And then once the charge is removed, I may be led to do something about it, or I may not. I may have just, you know, reconciled it within myself and come to the realization that like, I'm totally making up a story right now about what this person said and what it means or what it says about me 
And this has nothing to do with them in this moment. This has everything to do with my interpretation or this, this old wound that's simply coming back to the surface in this moment based on what they said. And I don't really need to have a conversation with them. I can reconcile it on my own within myself. And, and that's enough. Maybe I have a conversation with them to create a deeper level of connection there and understanding, especially if I'm in an ongoing relationship with them, for example, like with my partner, Carrie, I want her to know, and this goes both ways, obviously, I want to know these things about her when she is triggered. So in the future, I can be a little bit more sensitive with regard to those types of comments or those types of situations when they do arise. Yeah. I want to... I have two questions. When that yeah. happens, what is the the progression of the dialogue that you guys enter in? And I'm asking because I once heard recently, well, actually it was just recently, and I think it was actually Cody Sanchez, and I loved this, yeah. her and her partner. When those sort of things come up, they have this phrase of, I don't like the box that came in to open yeah. the conversation. And I felt yeah. like there was such a genius way. So I'd love to hear how you guys sure. deal with that. Yeah, I actually love that way of of engaging in in the conversation the way that we typically engage in the conversation is i'm making up a story uh, that story is fill in the blank and where that story comes from is fill in the blank so it might look like you know i'm making up a story right now that you don't appreciate me or that you know you don't respect me and where that comes from is you know when you made this comment or you did this thing or you didn't do this thing that ultimately caused me to make up that story. And that way we're kind of bringing in a level of objectivity to the equation. And we're taking responsibility for the fact that like, we're the source of the story, not, not them. Like, this is what I'm making it mean. This is how I'm interpreting it. And this is where it comes from to provide the needed context for it. So we're not attacking the other person and saying like, you made me feel this in this way, you know, or you did this or you didn't do this. We're coming at it from a space of neutrality and curiosity that says, this is what's coming up for me. This is what's real. This is what's true for me in this moment. I'm not necessarily blaming you for it, but I do want to be open and communicate about the story that I'm currently operating in because of what happened so that we can have a conversation about it and ultimately move beyond it. I love that. I think there's also like a piece of radical ownership that when you lead with that, it right. just disarms any, like the conflict piece. Now we can have this really open and deep, honest conversation because most yep. of the time it's not, the person just didn't even realize or know. So I absolutely love that. Right. Yeah. It's taking responsibility for my side of the street. And then inviting the other person to take responsibility for their side of the street, rather than simply saying, you need to clean up your side of the street, because typically people don't respond well to that because they experience it as, as blame or, or shame. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit ago that you had done like a lot of deep work. Mm. When did that journey begin for you? And what mm. was the catalyst for that? It's a great question. So it happened a little over 10 years ago in my mid 20s. So I'm 37 now. So I was right around age 26, 27. I had been out of college for four or five years at this point, started to climb the corporate ladder, but I started to notice that I was repeating certain patterns in my life, most notably in two areas. Number one, I kept getting fired from every professional job that I had, um, not for like any nefarious reasons uh, necessarily, but it seemed that I was incapable of holding a job for longer than a year. So there was that. And then there was also this very apparent reality that I was only capable of going 
so deep within the context of a romantic relationship. So at a certain depth, at a certain point, I would break off the relationship for fairly negligible reasons. And so I kind of keyed in on this. You know, I started to become aware that like, I think there's something going on here that I'm not fully aware of. And even though I didn't have this language for it at the time, what I would say to you or say to one of my clients is that the pattern always reveals the problem. And so I knew that I needed to take a deeper look beneath the surface to figure out what was ultimately driving this behavior, what was responsible for these patterns continuing to repeat. Otherwise, I was just going to be doomed to exactly that, to repeating them. And obviously, I wanted more for my life. I felt like I had you know, a good amount of potential to be of service, to you know, be successful, and to have a successful relationship. And so I started working with a therapist. And very early on in that work, we identified that something that I really struggle with is intimacy and connection. So of course that brought up the question, okay, where, where did that come from? You know, when did that start as far as you can remember? And we went back to this experience that I had when I was roughly 12, 13 years old, where I was sexually abused at summer camp. And my reaction to that experience was to simply ignore it and brush it under the rug and essentially pretend as if it didn't happen and it didn't bother me because it happened in front of all of the friends that I grew up with, all of the guys that I grew up with going to school, same town, same church. None of them actually tried to stop the abuse from happening. And so after the fact, it started to follow me around because it didn't happen in silence or in secret. And I started to get made fun of for it because as you can imagine, a town of 1100 people, you know, everyone knows your business before lunchtime. <laughs> and so this kind of started to follow me around throughout middle school and high school. Uh, so eventually everyone knew about this experience and they treated it as a joke. So of course my response, you know, we talked about mirroring before we actually got on and started to record the podcast. I simply mirrored their response. I brushed it under the rug. Like I mentioned, I treated it as if it was a joke and it, as it wasn't that big of a deal when in reality, the experience severely fractured my self-esteem, damaged my self-confidence, uh, broke my trust or my ability to trust other people. And after that, love, connection, and intimacy intimacy fundamentally felt unsafe to my, my nervous system. So whenever I would move in the direction of depth of connection or depth of intimacy, my nervous system would receive that as a threat because the last thing that it wanted was to get hurt again or get taken advantage of again. Wow. So what was that process then for you to heal from that? So you uncover it, right? And that's the, yep. uncover the beginning. But First step. Healing yep. look like for you? Uh, well, proper mirroring was also a huge step. In fact, and I talk about this in my book, what led me to acknowledge it as abuse for what it actually was, was seeing the look on my counselor's face when I told him what happened. And it was that look of like disgust and him being clearly disturbed by what I was telling him that made me like go, oh, that, that was abuse, wasn't it? And he was like, yeah, that was and in that moment, I was actually able to connect with all of the emotions that the incident created that I had just been running from for you know 15 plus years at that point. The grief, the sadness, the humiliation, the embarrassment, the shame, all of those different emotions. 
So that was kind of the next step in my healing was actually feeling those emotions, was actually grieving those emotions so that I could ultimately transmute them and, and move beyond them because those emotions and the energy attached to those emotions was in many ways dictating how I felt in my nervous system. And you know this because this is how you support your clients is that we experience the world through the lens of our nervous system. And so even if something isn't safe, if we have experienced especially big T trauma, abuse, assault, or an extreme accident, our, our nervous system is going to be wired to experiencing something like that as a threat, even if it's unsafe. Our perception is now that it is no longer safe. And so what do we do in an attempt to protect ourselves? We, we push it away or we run away, distance ourselves from that thing, even if it's healthy love, healthy, safe connection. And so that was really the road that I went down in, in going to therapy and signing up for different personal development workshops, working with coaches. I mean, at this point, I've been in the personal development space for almost 10 years. I've been active in, in self-help and therapy for 10 plus years. So it's it's very, very much been been a journey and been a process of coming back into alignment with with my true and authentic self before any of the abuse happened. Yeah. Okay. So as as you're sharing all this, I have all these thoughts. One is mm. was this discovery for you and the journey of healing the catalyst for you to leave the corporate world? Uh yes and no. So I was living in Chicago at the time when I started working with the, the therapist, the counselor. And eventually moved to Los Angeles because I signed up for like a five, six month long personal development workshop that's split into three phases. And I talk about this in my book. It's called Mastery and Transformational Training. And, and in fact, that's where I'm meeting a good friend of ours, a good mutual friend of ours, Lauren Salon, because she did the same workshop just in San Diego. So I moved out there to take part in this workshop that was over the course of several months because I felt that that was the next step in my healing journey. I had done a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with a therapist, with a counselor, and knew that in many ways, my next step was doing this work within the context of a group and with other people within the context of a community. And so that's what had me move out to Los Angeles. And so I started back working for a corporate company at the time. I started to work for a startup. So I was one of the founding members of a healthcare technology startup with a few other guys which is actually still around. It has over 400 employees, is wildly successful. and But eventually I, I left that job. I was let go from that job because in many ways I was still working through the abuse because if I'm completely honest, despite the fact that I moved out to Los Angeles to do this work in the company of other people, I was still hiding and I still couldn't bring myself to actually share this experience with them. I shared other experiences other painful experiences or moments that I had gone through throughout the course of my childhood and my adolescent upbringing, but I never got around to sharing this experience because there was so much shame around it for me. And there was so much concern around what they would think, how would they feel, how would they react and respond upon me telling them. And so in many ways I was still hiding. Uh, and it wasn't until after I was let go from that company after two years that I was inspired to start my own coaching business because at that point I had been through a lot of therapy and self-growth. And I finally got to the point where I felt comfortable sharing it, which led me to post my story on social media. It's so funny, the healing 
journey and not like haha funny but i think it's like so interesting because i think when we scratch it's like scratching the surface you like see the thing right you see this this memory this past trauma shows up and you're like oh this is the thing and then we yeah. at a certain part we're like okay we've seen it we've acknowledged it we felt the feelings okay we're good right but totally then it's really is like an onion you just keep peeling it and it's almost like in so many ways it almost like never goes away right it's like you mm -hmm. there's just always these new depths and levels that we you start to see even when you're like at the like i mean i have to ask now at this point right mm -hmm. 10 years into it there's still probably are different little moments that you're like oh and glimmers of things that start to show you oh that's like a a remnant a, like a speck of totally from that, yep. that thing oh 100 percent. i mean there are still there's still very much moments because obviously we can never fully get rid of the ego yeah right? the the false self that we unconsciously construct as children because it's who we think we need to be in order to be loved accepted and successful there are still very much times that that comes back online right and i split between these two parts my authentic self and and this false self persona uh, and it's most often unconscious but obviously given all the work that i've done at this point i'm able to catch myself i'm able to catch myself in the moment or in hindsight and and acknowledge that like oh man i was totally trying to prove something there or i had something to protect there you know that was coming through in my actions or in my words and my statements uh, and i think it's the reminder that we all need at the end of the day right i think victor frankel put it very beautifully that life has three meanings and that's love purpose and suffering in order to return to love and purpose you know, because whenever whenever we act from the space of our old trauma, there's typically consequences, even if those consequences are simply being humbled by the reality that like, oh, man, I still have some work to do or I'm not as far as I'm not as far along as I think I am or, you know, just just the humility that naturally comes with with making a mistake. And that's the suffering, quote unquote, if you will, that we all need on occasion to return to love and purpose, where we realize that I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to protect. I am who I am. And that's enough. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so true. Okay. So it's been, it's been quite a journey, the mm -hmm. healing, the coaching, starting that, that, that part of your or that that business yeah uh, so a, a couple of questions because i feel like you know i've been i've been following along for quite a while and i feel like your even your coaching practice has evolved over time because yeah. i feel like as if i'm remembering this right when i first started following you a, mm -hmm. a long time ago it was a little bit more from like a conscious business contact mm -hmm. at that point and now you're definitely way more rooted in yep. being like this, like healed, conscious, high performer, mm -hmm. masculine lens. So let's kind of mm -hmm. just open up that journey and like that yeah. and all the things. So I'd love to hear the transitions, the pivots, and like what brings you to the place of, of where you are now. Totally. Yeah. And you're spot on. When I first, when I first got into the online coaching space, it very much was supporting other entrepreneurs with their personal development. So personal development has always been at the forefront of the work that I've done with people. I initially started working with both men and women and eventually started to incorporate business aspects to it because I went to school for marketing. I had all of this startup corporate experience and was very, very successful with that, especially in sales. I've been in corporate sales for or excuse me, I had been in corporate sales for a half a decade before I stepped into 
the online coaching space. And so eventually, as my clients started to progress when it came to their personal development, naturally, they started to ask me advice about their business. And so I was able to really step into that naturally. And it was it was very, very organic because we all get to that place where, okay, we, we've we've talked about healing. We've done some healing work, right? We've done that necessary deconstruction work. And now it's time to kind of step into the reconstruction component, right? Where we start to integrate all of those things into your business, into your purpose, into your passion. And so initially for the first few years in business, I was very much focused on supporting entrepreneurs with kind of both and dancing in between both, which I still do to a degree. But yes, two years ago, I felt very called to focus my work specifically on men because I just, I didn't feel that there was enough men who were solely dedicated to working with other men to support them in their healing journey. And so that became my focus two years ago. My business mastermind dissolved, let go the majority of my employees with my company, which was bittersweet as you can probably imagine because of the friendships that we had created and the bonds and the memories and the, quite frankly, the success that we had. And so I ended up pivoting to working exclusively with men and essentially rebuilding the business more or less from scratch. Although I've, I've always maintained some semblance of one-on-one clients, I got rid of the business mastermind and basically started a men's mastermind. And so that's been going on for a little over a year now. So I do that. I do my one-on-one coaching with high-level VIP clients. And then I do right around two retreats per year where we get the guys together and we do an incredible amount of deep, deep work because I'm very much convinced that you know if you want to experience a breakthrough in your life, in your business, in your relationship, it first requires that you experience a breakthrough within yourself. Oh, yes. Preach. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so true. Okay. So then when you stepped into this, was that the catalyst for the book? When, when did the seed writing this book, let the love in, which I absolutely yeah. hear on my desk and it's, you know, so, so good. Thank you. Thank you. So the catalyst for the book was actually when I shared my story of sexual abuse on social media for the very first time, what happened And I don't know if you've gotten this far in the book yet, but when I shared, because at this point in time, only a handful of people knew, like my best friend, my parents, and like my therapist, despite being in the personal development world for years, I had still never shared that within the context of a group and or a larger group. So I share this story on social media and my nervous system collapses. And I suffered from what is clinically referred to as an acute nervous system breakdown. The best way to think about it for those of you who are listening is it essentially was a panic attack on steroids. So I immediately started to vomit. There was an incredible amount of vertigo, dizziness, uncontrollable crying, and just this this show of emotion. And eventually I started to suffer from chronic panic attacks because, and I learned this from starting to work with a therapist again after the fact, because I was like, what is happening to me? Like, what is going on? Like here, I thought I was in a really good place to share this. And I thought I was very much coming from a place of perspective and all of this like new pain is coming to the surface. It was as if I almost tapped into a well of pain that I didn't even know was there. 
Uh, and what I came to find out is that the level of connection that was created by virtue of me sharing on social media was just too much for my nervous system to handle. It pushed me so far out of my window of tolerance that it was completely debilitating and caused my nervous system to collapse. Because as you can probably imagine, I had tons of people messaging me, calling me, texting me who had no idea that you know what had happened happened and were offering apologies and condolences and all these things. And it was just, it was too much too soon, too fast. Yeah. And so my therapist ended up encouraging me to start journaling and that that would support me with processing everything that was coming up for me and allow me to work through things in between our phone calls. And as I'm starting to journal over the course of the preceding weeks and months, I was like, I feel like people could really benefit from you know, what I'm, what I'm writing and what's coming up for me, because many ways it's a blueprint for healing. It's a blueprint for growth. It's a blueprint about like how to break through the internal barriers within yourself so that you can get to the next level in life and in business or in relationship, whatever it is for you. And that's what inspired me to eventually turn all of that and take all of those journal entries and, and turn it into a book. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Journaling is so powerful. And the book is like it's such a it's such a powerful message to share. So when you wrote the book, were you writing it? Well, okay, you were journaling it. You took your yep. journal and turned it yeah, into yeah, yeah. a book. But was the idea and thought when you were bringing it to life as a book primarily aimed for men, or is it really a anybody can benefit from this? Anyone can benefit from it. I honestly didn't pivot my business to exclusively working with men until about three years after I started writing it. Mm, okay. Yeah. So e even though I finished, you know, we're talking, it's August 9th, 2023. The book was published in April of this year. I started writing it in January of 2019. So full, almost going on five years ago now. So I didn't pivot my business to exclusively working with men until three years after I started writing it. Uh -huh. And when you moved in to working with more men, was yeah. really the idea for you to kind of focus on the wounded masculine energy or like, let's talk about like what that looked like. Sure. The driver was in terms of like, I'm in the context of men and what the sure. like, transformation and end mm -hmm. result of when someone starts working with you, yep. what, what that is, or like probably I'm just throwing 8 million questions at you. Yeah. No, this is good. This is good. I got you. So I'm a firm believer that we we never rise to the level of our goals. We always fall to the level of our beliefs. You know, getting to the next level in our life, in our businesses, within the context of our relationships, whatever it is that you are looking to create more success in, we first and foremost have to talk about what is presently holding you back from accomplishing that on your own. Right? That's why people come to you. That's why people come to me to support them in working through whatever fear, whatever resistance, uh, whatever internal blocks or barriers are getting in the way of them having everything that they say they want. Unfortunately, with most men's coaching nowadays, the focus is primarily on the external. So they focus on implementing new high-performance habits, shifting their behavior. They focus on willpower, which can absolutely work in the short term, but it's kind of like building a house on sand because all of those things are simply symptoms. They're symptoms of the person's internal beliefs and their identity. 
So if, if, if all we do, or if in the beginning, at least, if we initially just focus on habits and behaviors, we're just treating the symptoms. We're not addressing the root cause issue. So I started to pick up on this, that like, man, there's so many coaches out there nowadays who are like faith, fitness, family, finances. Let's talk about how we can help you improving in all of these different external areas of life. But all of those external areas are being dictated by what's going on inside of the person. It's an internal job that's simply manifesting externally. Right? And so I felt very, very cold that like, man, men, men actually need, they don't need more business strategy. They don't need to like go to the gym more. Although there may be a time and a place for that when it comes to optimizing for their health. But unless we address, you know, root cause issue at the level of their, their beliefs and how those beliefs are currently manifesting in their nervous system, we're just going to be rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all that work is. That's yeah. all that work. That's all that, that's all that work is doing. Right. And in many ways, it's having so many men spin their wheels. Yeah. Right. So, so they may create whatever success they're after or achieve whatever goals they're after. But the question is, is it sustainable? Yeah. Does it, does it, does, does it stick long-term? Because if the answer is no, then what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So this is really making me, me think though, mm -hmm. because that's like the most, it's, it's like the, the unsexy work, right? Cause everybody wants yeah. to work on the business strategy. They want totally. to on the, like, tell me how I'm going to make more money. Tell yep. me how I'm going to have abs, like, you know, my six pack of abs, just tell me what the diet is. I know all that stuff is going to make me feel better, like yeah. more money, more numbers in my bank account. That's all that's going to solve all my problems. Right. So getting people enrolled into this, this work, what is, what's your secret for that? Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like this isn't really, cause how do you market like dying? Yeah. You know, like how do you market, you know, dying to this false persona that you unconsciously created in response to pain or in order to prevent pain? You know, how do you, how yeah. do you end up doing that? Because you know, in marketing, there's this old cliche statement that like you market to what they want, but you give them what they need. Yeah. Well, the pro the problem with that is if you do that, when it comes to this work, they're going to get into the work with you and they're going to be like, whoa, 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 this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. Like, why are we talking about like the relationship that I have with my dad? Why are we talking about like all of the things that I needed from my dad, but didn't get? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, the way that my, my business is structured, I'm very forthcoming in the work that I do with men. I'm very forthcoming insofar that this is where we start. And if you're not up for that, you're not up for that. You know, I mean, at this point I've sold millions of dollars in, in business. I know how to create a successful scaling company. But from what I can tell you, none of that matters if you don't do this deeper internal work. Yeah, totally. Not, <laughs> I just have to ask, I'm like, what's the, right? Because it's kind yeah. of like, hey, we're about to like rip it all apart. It's going to make your life exponentially better. But totally. it's going to be a little while before, I mean, as a masochist for, you know, I'm like fitness background, like there's, mm -hmm. there's a certain breed of us that are like, oh, this is going to stop. Let me mm -hmm. come in. Let, let me be curious about this now. Right. Well, what's 
what's the number one tool that the ego uses in order to maintain the status quo? It's fear. Yeah. Right. And so this process requires an incredible amount of faith. And when you've been operating unconsciously from the space of fear your entire life, because that's what the ego does, yeah. right? when your stance has been to be against, you know, to prove to others or to prove your prove to yourself that you are not this or that you are this faith is going to feel like falling and falling always feels like dying mm. deconstruction in its true essence feels like dying if it doesn't i would question whether or not it's truly authentic and if you're doing it right, doing it right. <laughs> right yeah you're not doing it right like as if there was a right way to do it but still <laughs> you know like it's going to feel like dying because like you mentioned, you're going to start to become aware of all of your compensating strategies, all of your limiting beliefs, all of these adaptive personality traits that are not genuinely you, but who you think you've needed to become in order to be loved, accepted, and successful, to avoid pain or to prevent pain. All of that is going to start to come undone. And it it always, in my experience, leads to some like crisis of identity that is very dysregulating. But that has to happen if you are going to break free from all of these egoic tendencies and wake up to the game that your ego has been playing, where it's primarily all about self-actualization and individuation and the pursuit of you know, success, accomplishment, and achievement. Like All of that, that whole game like that hyper-masculine game that most men play in order to become successful, it has to fall apart. It has to. It has to, at some point, prove to be incomplete and insufficient so that you can eventually go from, like, you know, individuation to transformation and transcendence. That's where this always leads to, transformation and transcendence, where you come into relationship with a higher purpose and a higher power. I promise you, if it doesn't, you need to leave it. You need to leave whatever coach you're working with. You need to leave whatever program you're in. Like if if they aren't talking to you about this and if they're not having an honest conversation with you about dying first, I can almost guarantee you that what they're selling you is counterfeit. Yeah, it's so, so true. There's preaching to the choir there on that one. It's so true. So as you're talking about this, I start thinking mm -hmm. because you and I both work with high achievers, high performers. Yep. And so I guess that concept or thought I have been kind of like thinking about inside of this work. Why do you believe that there's this, I guess, like propensity for the high achiever, the high performer to mm -hmm. be drawn to this work to start? I will speak from my experience. Yeah. Um, in my experience, it was because I got everything that I said I wanted. I accomplished everything that I set out to achieve. You know, in my healthcare startup, we went from basically nothing to over $4 million in business in like less than 18 months. So like incredibly rapid growth uh, in a very, very short period of time. We went from seven initial employees to like 32 employees. And now there's over 400 people at the company. And I was fundamentally unhappy and I felt empty inside. And yeah. so that was that was the catalyst in many ways for me to be like, why do I feel this way? 
Yeah. How do I feel this way? Why am I, why am I anxious? Like, why am I overwhelmed? Why do I struggle to take time off? Why am I restless when I start to slow down? Yeah. You know, like what is going on here? Um, and you could say like, oh, like you're addicted to stress or you're addicted to working and like all of that may be true, but again, that's just the external manifestation of a much deeper internal issue. Yeah. And so how this typically manifests externally for, at least for me and, and for the majority of my clients is they're anxious, they're overwhelmed. They feel on some level unhappy, unfulfilled or empty, and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this idea of the high high achiever really experiencing the emptiness, we were kind of discussing this a little bit before, that, and that's the driver for the overworking because the minute we take off or we we have this space, all of a sudden that emptiness is like literally, it's like this abyss staring you in the face. So do you think that A, the vast majority of high achievers experience emptiness? And what's the solution to this like emptiness as a high achiever? I'm always one to avoid saying like always or every time, but I think I can safely say that, you know, if you play that game long enough, um, you're eventually going to arrive at a point within yourself where you're like, this isn't it. This isn't it. And like I mentioned before, the minute you start to, the minute you commit to a spiritual journey or a personal development journey, eventually you, you will, you'll be led to a higher purpose and to a higher power. I promise you that's where all this work ends and leads toward at the end of the day. It's the only way that transformation and transcendence is possible. Yeah. where we where we like break free from this this high performer persona that we've all unconsciously taken on and constructed and built up and reinforced um it just has to prove to be incomplete and insufficient in comparison to a higher purpose and a higher power and the fulfillment that is available for us when we actually embrace that what fills the void what fills the the emptiness and how do you get there well, I think Julian of Norwich, which was a, she's an old like Christian mystic. I think she said it perfectly. She said that grace creates the void that grace alone can fill. Put another way, God creates the void that God alone can fill. Mm. We insist on trying to fill it with all of these external trappings, an extra zero in our bank account, you know, or these accolades, you know, power, possession, and prestige, whatever that actually looks like for you, right? We insist on, you know, trying to fill it with all of those things only to come to the the realization that none of those things actually suffice. And I'm not making that journey wrong. I feel like on some level, like you kind of need to go through that, you know, (laughs) you know, you need to build your tower, you need to climb the mountaintop only to realize that like, oh, what I was looking for isn't up here. You know? yeah, absolutely. So that actually brings me. So I have two more questions because I know we're like, you know, since this conversation could go on forever. So you get to the top of the mountaintop. Do we think that, and this is something I like grapple with because I think that a lot of times that there's this kind of like funny thing happening when we start taking advice from the person that has reached the mountaintop. Right. Yeah. And so there's this idea of the peace and the ease and embodying these whole nother kinds of philosophies. But 
I struggle with this this question and this the answer because I think that there's sometimes this a disconnect, especially with people who are like just starting out and like whether it's in business or whatever, that there's almost this piece of like you might not have made it to the top of the mountain if yeah. you start with those things. And I I'm like still on this like you know is that true? Am I making up a story because? That's where I came from was the the pain and all of the trauma that I, I stored inside of me is what took me to the top of the mountain because that's what fueled sure. Totally. And yep. Yeah. Do we believe that there is a way to scale the mountain and do massively big things from a different place? Yes. The language that I would use is from T.S. Eliot, who once said that you will return to where you once started, but you will know it for the first time. Oh. So it's likely that you will return to your previous ambitions and whatever goals that you have for yourself as it relates to your business or your income or your career, but you will know it for the first time because it's no longer this adaptation or this overcompensation in an effort to avoid your pain or perform over top of your neglect or your abuse like I was doing. So you'll return to where you once started, but you'll know it for the first time. Uh, Yeah. In the first half of life, the focus is on like conquering the mountain and getting to the top. In the second half of life, you know, the way that I like to put it is, is we try to move the mountain, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that's what bolsters the ego, right? Because then we like claim victory over it and, and you know, it, it gives us some semblance of, of self-gratification. In the second half of life, it's all about allowing the mountain to mold us. Yeah. Yeah. So do we think that, that I'm, I'm thinking about this, like, okay, so if this work sure. starts to be done in the era of like your very early twenties, mm-hmm. can you bypass trying to move the mountain and go straight into the mountain molds you? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't really think so. I think again, we need to like build our tower and we need to climb the mountain because that's what brings us into realization that like, oh, what I was looking for, the fulfillment, the inner peace that I am ultimately after, because that's what we're all chasing. We're chasing yeah. a feeling of peace and fulfillment and joy isn't up here, right? Yeah, it's, in, it's in overcoming all of these barriers within me that stand against those things. Yeah. It's part of the experience. That was like the rite of passage that you have to go to, to get, to get there, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. So I'd love to hear from you. There had to have been along the way a, an expander for you, a super expander that showed you that this path was possible for you. Yeah. And I actually talk about him in my book. It was my initial mentor, Reggie, who really guided me along the process. I'm a firm believer that every hero needs a guide if you're familiar with the framework for storytelling. But It's really a framework for the journey that we all must go on in order to return back to God or to return back to our true and authentic self. Every hero needs a guide to support us in that journey, in that process. And that for me was my initial mentor, Reggie. Do you think that that then is essentially the role of a coach? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, the role of a coach, a guide, a healer is to guide you back to your your authentic truth, your authentic self. It's not to tell you what to do or where to go or how to be successful and do what they did to become successful. It's all about them asking you powerful evoking questions that guide you back to your truth, 
Yeah. I asked that because I know that people, there's got to be some people listening. They're like, well, but I don't have that in my life. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Because you can seek one out. You can like hire one essentially. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. That, that's why I asked that question. Okay. So I'm, I know that every single person that is listening right now to this podcast is like, oh my gosh, I need to know more. I need to yeah. get the book. I need to read the book. I need to get into your world. So yeah. let's just tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. The best place to get the book is on Amazon, as you can imagine. It's Let Love In, The Pain Stops, When the Truth Starts by Jacob Kaufman. That's K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. But you can also find it on my website where you can also sign up for my newsletter, which is awakewithjake.com. And then the best place to interact with me, because I would love to hear from you and hear how the book impacts you and how you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode is I am Jake Kaufman. Amazing. And of course, you know, it'll all be down in the show notes for So make sure you get the book, you follow him on Instagram, you share all of the things, go check out his website, share it with a friend, share it with, you know, your guy friends, because this is the impact that he's making in the world of the more healed men that we have in the world. It's really going to change the, it's just going to, it's a, the ripple effect is, is going to be huge. I know this. So if there yeah. was just one parting word of which that word, words, mm. phrase, quote, I don't know, some last party words that you want to share yeah. with, with the audience, which, I mean, there has been so many juicy nuggets of wisdom. You're going to want to listen to this, this episode. I know like five times, but if there was one last little parting juicy nugget, what would it be? We don't achieve our way to our full potential. We die our way there. Transformation fundamentally is much more about unlearning, unbecoming, and undoing than it is about learning, becoming, or doing. We've bought into this idea that we can achieve or develop our way to our full potential, which is not true. It's fundamentally speaking, not true because until you reconcile the pain from the past, you will continue to recycle it in the present moment. So good. Thank you so much for sharing just all of your wisdom and your insights. So grateful that you were here to have this conversation today. And I cannot wait for everyone to grab your book. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Corey. I appreciate you having me. We will catch you on the next episode. Like a fire needs oxygen and fuel, you're not meant to reach your goals alone. Your missing part could be as simple as finding the right community. And if it's not my community, there's definitely the right one out there for you. If you're looking for a place to start, check out the link in the show notes and let this community help you breathe in fresh oxygen.